Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota of Brookhaven has been voted best new car dealership in Southwest Mississippi four years in a row. Come see the difference. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota of Brookhaven, we deliver. This is Gerard Gibbert, and thank you for listening to Middays here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to midday super talk mississippi i'm your host gerard gibbard along with rhino in the element well studios guiding you through the middle of your day with facts fodder and fine music it is a tuesday following christmas which fell on a sunday still having a hard time wrapping my head around that one just seems to be kind of out of kilt a little bit, but we are here. The sun is shining. The temperature is headed skyward today. It's going to get up to a, uh, a toasty 49 in central Mississippi. It'll be balmy. <laughs> uh, but we're still struggling with the water around here in Jackson. A little bit, yeah. I didn't have very much pressure at my apartment, but it seems like the water pressure in the building is better than at my apartment. Yeah, uh, I was surprised we actually have a little bit here today, right in the building. Oh, yeah. A little better than we thought. Uh, we are having some technical issues with our local station, right? Isn't yes, it? the uh, WFMN transmitter had a part go out in the middle of the night, and uh, we were able to broadcast at about 20% power from the 97.3 in the central Mississippi area. So uh, if you are really close to the transmitter, you'll pick it up well, but uh, not quite the same power it's used to having. But the the spare part should be in late today, early tomorrow, and we'll get it fixed ASAP. In the meantime, catch us on the app on uh, C Spire TV, channel 71, I believe, right? Isn't that right? 70. 70, pardon me. Right next to the Weather Channel. 70, pardon me. So, and then also, uh, I said the app, or of course the full-size browser as well, you can catch us. So, we're out there, all over the place. That is the good news. We are digitally wired and connected in a good to-go. Speaking of weather, what about Southwest? They're having some issues. Yeah, and they can blame the weather all they want to, but from everything I've read, it is, uh, the weather is only a small fraction of their problems apparently they are still using a very outdated scheduling system that does not update with real-time live tracking of flights and personnel so the personnel themselves have to call in to scheduling to let southwest know where they are so that they can get their next assignment and i saw reports of some personnel being on hold for 23 plus hours and forking over for their own hotel room so they can take their federally mandated rest 
just hoping they get reimbursed. You know, uh, I actually know a little bit about this uh, because uh, I mentioned before, Delta Airlines, at the time we sold the company, was our largest commercial customer. And Delta, very sophisticated systems in IT, very progressive and aggressive with respect to their investment in IT. And I can tell you that within the industry, sort of behind the doors, I can speak freely about this now. I don't have any business uh, interests. Southwest was always considered to be the worst, systems-wise. Now we're seeing it manifest, right? I mean, I heard this five years ago from inside the halls of Delta. I mean, not that they were being critical. They were just, uh, obviously, they're aware of their competitors' environments, right? right? It's it's a a customer experience, especially in flight travel, air travel. It's huge. Big difference in what airline a, a person selects. Now, Southwest is known for being cheap. No frills. That's their calling card. That's their resume. That's why you fly it. Uh, but with respect to their systems, they're way down the heap there, not investing. And even the, uh, is it the DOT? Uh, transportation, yeah, U.S. DOT. They even tweeted, calling them out. US, Seems like a bit of an overreach. Well, but I would okay. agree. I would agree. You know, my feeling on that is that the government shouldn't get involved and call out a company, a private company, unless they've broken the law. And even then, that that needs to be guarded, right, and done in, in a way that doesn't get out front of any sort of legal proceedings. But they say U.S. DOT is concerned by Southwest unacceptable rate of cancellations and delays in reports and lack of prompt customer service. The department will examine whether cancellations were controllable and if Southwest is complying with its customer service plan, I just don't see how the DOT has any purview here, any jurisdiction. Especially over customer service. Yeah, that's ridiculous from the DOT. That's just not right, in my view. Now, as a customer, as a citizen, expressing an opinion here on this show, yeah, I'm calling them out. You caught up with them here. So it's one of those things where when you build these systems, it's accommodating all the crazy exceptions that you hope honestly never happen. But when they do, it's insurance, and you build that into these systems, all these contingencies to deal with all these possible exceptions that rarely occur and honestly you hope never occur. But when they do, you're prepared, and in this case, You'd have to say Southwest failed. It's clear. Because you're right. That's what all the reports are suggesting, indicating, is that, yeah, this is more than just weather going on here. Yeah, because they have three times the cancellations of the next highest company. Right. So at first it was, well, they're... Their routes are, are where the weather is most severe. And then you look at that and say, no, that's not actually true. <laughs> so, anyhow, uh, I'm not, uh, you know, Southwest private company here. They can do whatever the heck they want. But I think that this is probably, I know their stock is tanking. 
right? It's down nearly 6% as a result. So the question is, will they make the decision to pour some money into these systems to improve them so as to improve customer service? Because this is probably going to happen again, where they've got this kind of situation and they need systems to uh, deal with it. But yes, I heard the same thing that staff were having a hard time logging on and and uh, you know getting all their scheduling squared away, just internal communications and so forth. So again, they're they're known for and they're sought by by the traveling public, the air traveling public, because it's low cost, no frills, no first class you know, minimum snacks and so forth and no seat assignments. You get into groups and but it's very inexpensive and they a lot of times they maybe don't fly to what would be considered the more modern, more current airports in an area if there's multiple in the big cities. But a lot of folks are fine with that. I've done it. I'm fine with it too. Heck when we had the big office out in uh, Denver, a lot of our folks would before when Southwest exited Mississippi a lot of our folks would drive to New Orleans to get a $150 direct flight to Denver. That was easier than uh, having a stop on an airline out of Jackson. If it's Delta, you got to go to Atlanta and then go to Denver. If it's American, you go to uh, Dallas. But you run into all kinds of issues and delays. It's actually quicker to get in a car and drive two and a half hours to Kenner to get to uh, Moissant in New Orleans and hop on a Southwest flight direct to uh, Colorado, to Denver. That's uh, So that was beneficial for us. Well, it, in the meantime, they're having some issues with all that. And, by the way, their stock ticker, you know what that is, right? Love, L-U-V. It's kind of their trademark, their calling card. We've got on the program today... Dorlissa Hutton and Angela Evans from the state's first STEM charter school at 1020. Robert Johnson, he's a member of the Mississippi House of Representatives. He is the minority leader, represents District 94, which includes Adams, Franklin, and Jefferson County. Of course, we're looking ahead to the 2023 legislative session officially one week from today. One week from today, Rhino. They'll be gathering under the dome at the Capitol, making them laws again. Lots of news overnight as well we'll get to. Americans spent like crazy. It's shocking. During the holidays, markets open today. Mixed report. The Dow up, the S&P down, the NASDAQ down as well. Apple, <laughs> we got to share with you a little news on Apple Even they are not exempt from being accused of racial bias. (laughs) You wouldn't think that'd be something that you could do when you would that would happen to Apple when you consider what they produce. But oh yeah, somebody's suing them for racial bias. We'll cover that story later on in the program. Stepping aside for a break on middays. Coming right back with Dorlissa Hutton, the CEO of the first STEM charter school in the States. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
I think you played that last time. <laughs> Thomas Dolby. <laughs> Back with you on Midday Super Talk Mississippi in the Element Wealth Studios. Joining us now, Dorlissa Hutton, CEO, and Angela Evans, Public Relations Director of SR1. It is a STEM a charter school, the state's first, I believe, right? Yes, that's correct. Morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. Doing well. How are you doing? Great. So tell us what SR1 stands for. So SR1 is a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. We're 501c3. We're dedicated to eliminating disparities in health, education, and technologies. Uh, We focus on Central Mississippi heavily, but we've branched out uh, to start including the rest of the Mississippi as well. Um, And that's really how our charter school came about. Uh, We were doing some work great work within the community. We were seeing 100% on-time graduation rates. We were seeing um, over 95% first-time passage on the third-grade reading test. And so some of the community members approached us and said, would you all be interested in starting a school? Um, Was it something we really at that point had not thought about at that time, long-term, of course? Um, But we had such great community support, and we felt the time was right. Charter had been introduced in Mississippi, and we wanted to provide a different opportunity option uh, to students in central Mississippi. And STEM is a great opportunity, um, especially with us starting with our younger students. Um, The school will start with K-first. Sometimes people think STEM has to start in middle or high school, but we want to catch them while they're young, while they're engaged, while they're curious. And we know that this will build a great foundation, not only for their learning and critical thinking skills, but also for the economy of the state of Mississippi. Gotcha. Just for the benefit of our audience, STEM, of course, stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. Yes. Just wanted to clarify that. Yes, Some folks thank you. may not be familiar with that term. That's fine. All right, so how many students? We're going to start off year one with 150. There will mm-hmm. be 75 kindergartners and 75 first graders. Okay. And each year from there, we will add a grade. Okay, and is the where's the school located? The school will be located in North Madison County in the Cannon Public School District. And with that, um, with the charter law in Mississippi, if your district is or C or below, then someone can open a charter school there. Um, so anyone from the surrounding area whose district is a C or below, and that was in the year 2020, mm-hmm. they will be eligible to attend. So that's um, Cannon Public Schools, Leake County, Yazoo City, Yazoo County, Jackson Public Schools. So with the charter law, it does provide some flexibility for schools as far as enrollment. Okay, so a, a student has to be live in a district. Right. Yes. Where the school in that district is scoring C or below to be eligible. That is to correct. apply to attend the charter school. That is right? correct. Mm-hmm. And 150. So how how does a family apply for these kindergartners so and first graders? And Angela has done a great job. And if Angela wants to talk some about the website and also um, just some recruitment efforts. Yeah. yeah, it's actually pretty easy. I mean, really, mm-hmm. all you do to get started is to fill out the form. We have. Um, circulating in the community or you can visit it online at sr1tech.org and we also have a cpsa website Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. and uh you really just get started you know you can fill out the information sheet and then we'll contact you with more information but it's really just getting the basic information on your student whether you know your child grandchild family member and go from there. There's there's no other requirements other than geography requirement. You know, as long as you are going to be in kindergarten or first grade in the next school year, you are eligible to apply. And it 
there'll be 75 students per grade and it runs on a lottery system so Mm -hmm. if we have 75 students for each grade that apply then everybody gets in if we hit 76 or more it moves to a lottery system to make it fair so no one is uh you know singled out or any so what do you mean by lottery system exactly it's just kind of a random draw at that point yes so that was um and just if they need to catch those websites again the Mm -hmm. one specifically for the charter school is www.sr1cpsa.org and the cpsa stands for college preparatory and stem academy so it's sr1 college preparatory and stem academy and at the top of that page you will see apply now and you can click there and you also will learn more about what the students will be engaged in as far as their learning and also so uh, the great educators that will be there. Mm-hmm. Also, if you just want to learn more about SR1, you can visit us at www.sr1tech. That's T-E-C-H dot O-R-G. And now to get back to the lottery. Mm-hmm. So when the legislator um, developed the charter law, the lottery was one thing they put in. And the only thing that does, as Angela mentioned, it makes it equal across the board. So for us, for instance, we're going to have 75 slots in kindergarten. If we hit 80, State law says you have to trigger a lottery, and it's just that it's random. All 80 names that go in, 75 will be pulled out, and that was just the way uh, that the law was written. How do you determine how many can be enrolled? So that's up to you um, as an individual school. We okay. were really engaged in keeping our classes small, so we'll have those 75 that will be three classes per grade because we're looking at making sure we're providing high quality education versus having just a large number of students so we really want to set a good foundation and that's our overall purpose yeah gotcha so on your website uh it looks like you have three pillars that you discuss health equity education equity technology equity a little intrigued what do you mean by health equity don't typically see that associated with a school yes and so it's important because as i mentioned as a nonprofit, first of all and we're in the state of mississippi um and i know you know especially coming from the tech world Mm -hmm. we lag behind in a lot of areas but it's not because our students or our workers are not capable we just haven't been given the opportunity. So by equity, we mean providing those opportunities. As an organization, we have a a robotics team. At that point, um, when we first started, it was only maybe six or seven uh, schools or organizations within the state that were participating with the University of Mississippi. Mm -hmm. By providing that service to students, it's making it equitable. They're able to have that opportunity to learn. And so with our school, by introducing them to STEM at a young age, we're making education equitable. And what we do with health uh, we're actually working um, to provide healthy food uh, and food insecurity. We actually um, are growing healthy leafy greens that we're uh, distributing to the community on a regular basis. Um, and that's at one of our locations in Forest, Mississippi. And we're also going to be doing the same at our location in north um, north of Canton in Madison County. Hmm. So we're trying to help alleviate some of the issues that have plagued Mississippi for so long. Uh, we're all natives. Mr. Green, our founder and CEO, is dedicated um, to just making Mississippi better all around. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a healthy workforce and healthy the students, we see a decrease in missing time from school and work, which means more productivity. But we have to give them the resources and the skills they need to be able to do that. Um, and just also with bringing new factories and new services to Mississippi, you know, excited um, when Nissan came years ago, excited to see Amazon here, excited to have Continental Tires. But we need to keep improving our students and our workforce so we can have more uh, businesses coming in to build our economy. And we see our school and also our nonprofit greatly contributing to those services. Gotcha. So is there a cost to students? There is not a cost. 
the charter is a free public school. Mm-hmm. So we um, are free. That was the way the legislator again wrote the law, which is great. So it's no cost to parents or students. It's just if you're looking for a great alternative to high quality education for your student, we really encourage you to apply. Does the organization have plans to apply for and, and build more charter schools? Well, we will, as you know, the Mississippi Charter Law gives you a five-year charter. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's time to reapply, the board will decide the authorizer if, A, you can continue with the group you have, and, B, if you can expand. We would love for the future, but right now we're just focused on making sure we get this one started off correctly. We build that great foundation uh, for our students, and this uh, first charter term will take us K through fifth. Got you. So uh, tell us about the summer programs coming up. Yes, so uh, summer is always a great opportunity. And what we do with summer, we try to reduce that learning loss. Um, When students go home for the summer from school, uh, research shows when they come back in August, if they haven't had any type of educational engagement, they're usually three months behind in math, two to three months behind in literacy. So as an organization for over 11 years now, we've been hosting a free five-week summer camp. And our summer camp in um, this area this way is actually held at Millsaps. We have a great partnership with Millsaps over 11 years strong. Um, And there each week is dedicated to a different topic. So we have students coming in from Hines, Madison, Rankin, and sometimes even farther than that for this camp. But we have different age divisions, so it's age appropriate, but we focus on health week. We focus on science, math, um, reading week, college week. And what we do is each week is really geared towards bringing those things alive. Um, This past uh, summer, we had a a great time with our Cultural Arts Week. I forgot to mention that one, where we introduced them to different cultures. So we were able to introduce and bring someone in uh, from the Japanese Education Outreach in Nashville, Tennessee. Hmm. She came down. She spoke to them. She actually even did a traditional tea ceremony with them. Um, We also ate some native foods that we had shipped in. Hmm. Um, So it's just introducing them to different activities with our science. Uh, We also did some dissection for our older students students and our younger ones actually they didn't participate because it's scalpels but they got to go through the process uh because yeah got you appreciate y'all coming on thank you i know you got a lot of information a lot to talk about sounds like a a good program going on sr1tech.org yes and website we're always looking for great volunteers and if uh, donations as well Mm -hmm. to keep our services free for our students have a happy new year okay thank you 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 as well midday's coming right back Shining star for you to see what your life can truly be. Attention, adoring fans. It's time for Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Middays back with you from the Element Wealth Studios. Go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. Later on in the program, I might discuss some year-end financial ideas that you may have, uh, you may want to think about. Uh, because you got a couple of days left to get that done, and then the business is shut down. Also, we should report, Rhino, that the IRS has halted 
implementation of the requirement that these digital app platforms supply information to the IRS and, of course, to the user when they have transactions amounting to $600 or more for goods and services, is kind of what the rule says, in a year that was to go into effect this year, the calendar year 2022. And they've uh, put the brakes on that. They're struggling with (laughs) how to codify all that. Imagine, (laughs) and we've discussed this, how you get into these complexities, those zany members of Congress go write all these laws and hand them down for codification by the appropriate responsible agency, in this case the IRS, the Department of Treasury, IRS, of course, a, uh, an organization, an entity within the Department of Treasury, and they said, no, we're going we're gonna to delay that. We can't figure it out. That's good news. It's a stupid rule anyhow, but it's good, good news. So we won't have to concern ourselves with that. On the ceasefire text line, which of course is 601-879-4395. Who is responsible for speaking for the people? Referring to the Southwest Airlines debacle with uh, more cancellations, I think, than all the other airlines combined or something like that. It's, it's, a, it's an outsized number, and it is exposing we're now learning, their ancient technology systems, which airlines, they can't exist without that. If you think about just how sophisticated travel is and all the moving parts that have to be orchestrated just to get an airplane from one airport to another, it's amazing, and that technology has advanced dramatically in the last couple of decades, to our benefit, honestly, to the benefit. It, it, and in fact, you could not accommodate the, the major increase in volume of traffic without all this technology. Is it perfect? No, absolutely not. We're, we've all been frustrated. But generally speaking, our frustrations stem from flight adjustments, cancellations, etc., when weather is involved. Maybe equipment failure, and by equipment I mean the aircraft itself. And then there was, of course, the staffing shortages because the government shut down travel during uh, the pandemic. And, of course, it was difficult for these airlines to summon their workers uh, back to the airports, et cetera, in the offices to operate the airlines. But in this case... There's uh, reports coming from numerous sources indicating that Southwest has simply not upgraded their systems. Their systems are not up to par with the other airlines, and this is causing a problem. So this person says on the ceasefire text line, a little background there for you, who is responsible for speaking for the people, the public service commissioner? Well, a couple things. The public service commissioner, Southwest is a, is a nationwide company, obviously operates across the nation. Public Service Commissioner, there is not a federal public service commissioner. I'm not aware of such a uh, a position. But the Department of Transportation does, in fact, regulate transportation, including airlines, to some extent. So the Public Service Commissioner question uh, 
that that's really not uh, relevant. But who's responsible for speaking for the people? I'll tell you who. The people. The people. You see, the market is by far the most perfect, most effective arbiter of market activity, consumption, pricing, etc. The people will speak here. They don't need the government to step in. You got to believe, Rhino, that folks that are being affected by this, I'm talking about specifically Southwest passengers, I got to believe that the next time they get ready to fly, they'll think twice about it. Now, on the other hand, Southwest could say, hey, look, we're a lot cheaper than everybody else. What do you expect? Service that's leveled to the more expensive premium airlines? Don't hold your breath. I'm not speaking for Southwest. I'm just I'm just pointing out that is kinda, if you think about it, they don't promote how great their service is, they promote how cheap it is. Think about all their branding, all their advertising. Wanna get away? Ninety nine bucks anywhere you want to go. Oh, well pay no attention to the fact that we may not actually get you there on time, right? So and generally speaking, my experience has been positive with Southwest, but when there's a glitch they're more vulnerable. They're more exposed. The market will sort that out. We don't need the Department of Transportation. This is how we've got in this country. Everybody thinks, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people think that I'm not happy about something. Where are you, government? Fix it for me. And all they do is screw it up. They just make it worse. Every time they raise their hand and say, we're here to protect you. No, you're not. You just made it worse. You stuck your nose in something you should have stayed out of. This is one. So the person says on the text line, I agree with what you're saying, but curious also, I'm sure they get plenty of subsidies for the, from the taxpayers to have a way to go against them if necessary. Well, if what we're saying, first, I don't know if Southwest gets any subsidies or not. I'd have to research that. And, I, and you could stretch the way money flows, you certainly airports, for example, are generally funded with, with public money. But the airports have contracts with the airlines. I, I'm not for government sticking their nose in a customer service issue, because that's what this is. It, it'd be different if there were a, a catastrophe, a crash, for example. Well, yeah, we have government entities who are responsible for investigating that. Because the government operates the air traffic control systems, weather systems that are utilized in flight, etc. But, you know, unless the agreement, if they in fact did receive subsidies, if there's some agreement that, uh, uh, that put that together, that made that legal, that that was executed by Southwest to receipt some conditions for receipt of those subsidies. You got to maintain certain customer service levels or on-time flight records, etc. Uh, yeah, but if it's just well, we're mad at you, Southwest, because people are mad, and we're going to flex our muscle as government here and come down on you. Good grief! That could be applied across every industry, every company. I just don't want to see government 
get involved at that level. That's socialism. It's what it is. It's central planning. We're going to tell you, Southwest, how to operate your airline. Again, the market is the best cure for those sorts of deficiencies. Now, they'll pay the price for this. Clearly, they are in the stock market. Their equity issue down 6%. That stings. That hurts. Heads will roll. Their board will be meeting. I promise. They'll be talking about this. And they'll want to hear from the CEO and management what the heck's going on here. They know that this will affect them. That's the way it should work. That's the way it should work. There's plenty of other options. The IRS is not a government organization. It, it is an independent corporation that works for the Federal Reserve, which is a private bank. Huh? Now, the IRS is part of the United States Department of Treasury. Yeah, it's a bureau. Right. It's, it's funded by the uh, taxpayer, federal government. It is part of the Department of Treasury. Saying the IRS is not a federal bureau is like saying the FBI is not a federal bureau. It's just patently false. It is definitely it's a misunderstanding of federal law. It is not an independent corporation. It is not. It does not work for the Federal Reserve. I don't know where that came from. That's just not true. That's a popular libertarian talking point that never seems to really get put under the microscope or refuted by anybody that pays attention. Oh, okay. Plus, if you've got some information that would uh, prove your, your point there, please send it that shows unequivocally that the IRS is a private corporation. If that's the case, then they will file tax returns. And they'll have other official government filings as well. Please send those forward. Super Talk crew, this usually does stand-up comedy routines. Coming right back, talking about Southwest. Coming right back on Midday. Stay with us. Come on. Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk Mississippi. Middays. Carol and Starkville reports My cousin was in New York visiting in laws for Christmas. Six foot snow drifts and three day travel ban. Another relative tried to get home for Christmas from work on Alaska oil rig. Multiple flight issues. Temporary lost luggage. Very difficult to get a cab. Had to pay $500 for a hotel room in Dallas. Took several days to get home and normally a 24 hour trip. There's no doubt that the weather wreaked havoc on on travel, air travel in particular. It also seemed to spark looting in Buffalo, New York that was out of hand. Saw that. With people live-streaming themselves on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook Live. Looting stores with snow drifts outside. Unbelievable. When's it going to stop? It just doesn't feel like it is. 
it, it doesn't feel like, and to a great extent, it looks like we're looking the other way. Doesn't it? Looks like we're that uh, our judicial system, not law enforcement. I think law enforcement's hands are tied. I think they're frustrated. But when we got these woke DAs that are looking the other way, honestly, and rationalizing, justifying this uh, illegal behavior on the basis of equity, sure seems like it. I think Americans are, in general, sick of that, tired of that. Crime up across the country, the murder rate up substantially in many of America's major cities. Definitely a big old problem. Americans did spend like crazy, however, over the holidays. Now, you'd have to adjust that for inflation, but retail sales, as reported by the MasterCard Spending Pulse that was released yesterday, retail sales increased 7.6% during the period of November 1 through December the 24th compared to that same period last year. That index, by the way, tracks in-store and online retail sales, excluding automotive sales across all forms of payment, and is not adjusted, I point out, not adjusted for inflation. The It does seem, however, if you adjusted it over that period, it would still indicate that we're spending a lot. But the other thing that's coming up is that we're racking up a lot of debt. Credit card balances are on the rise rather sharply. And there are some concerns about that as well, that folks aren't saving. They're, in fact, dipping into their savings, and they're racking up debt. Strong demand this year for toys, electronics, between that Thanksgiving and Cyber Monday uh, period. So sales of electronics dropped over the two-month period, according to MasterCard, but during that short period of time, up. Online sales up, etc. Interesting data. By the way, the water problems in Jackson have made the national news again. Caught a report on NBC. Many in Jackson, headlines from their report, many in Jackson, Mississippi, have no water as pipes burst in freezing temperatures, but... Have no fear, folks. Six hundred million is on the way. Six hundred million is on the way, courtesy of the United States Congress and the President set to sign the omnibus bill, one point seven trillion into law. And there's six hundred million dollars allocated to the city of Jackson in that bill, which certainly appears to me to be condoning, sanctioning, incompetent government. And here's the thing. There are people who will celebrate this. There are people who will benefit from this, and I get it. They will celebrate this. And and they, of course, will pile on the praise to Representative Benny Thompson who voted for the bill and was instrumental in 
including the $600 million allocation, as was Senator Roger Wicker. He also supported the bill and was was uh, integral in that effort. And, and the, they will be lauded for this. It seems like we've gotten to the point where we praise and we reward members of Congress for what I believe is fiscally irresponsible bad behavior. We do that as long as we personally benefit. And it's back to this point I've made, Rhino. we got 435 in the House and 100 in the Senate, and they're all in there doing the same thing. Next thing you know, we're $31 trillion in debt. That's what happens. Wow. We're stepping aside for a break. It's time for the news. When we return, Robert Johnson from the Mississippi House of Representatives. He's the minority leader, represents District 94. Stay with us. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back in the Element Well Studios, we thank you so much for joining us today on this Tuesday after Christmas. Coming up on the end of the year and looking forward to New Year's Day and having a happy New Year. We certainly are. We're looking for uh, Representative Robert Johnson. Not sure there, but uh, hopefully he will be available here and join us as uh, we have him on the schedule today, so we'll certainly look forward to that interview. Of course, he is the minority leader in the House of Representatives. We'll uh, keep you in tune on that. $600 million, who is going to control the spending of it? Well, the at first blush, it looks like the plan is for the EPA to appoint resources who would be in charge of the investment of this $600 million coming from the federal government. You know, even asking that question, well, it's certainly a valid question, who's going to control it. The fact, again, that the federal government is sending $600 million, let's be honest, the taxpayers, really it's not even the taxpayers, there's no taxes involved here, it's the debt holders they're just throwing that $600 onto the liability section of your personal balance sheet. Just add that in there while you're at it. I, again, I just point out, we've gotten to a point in this country where we sent, we elect representatives and we send them to Washington, and if they don't bring home the bacon, that would be the metaphor typically used when constituents expect their representatives get in there and fight for that money and then they get bent out of shape when they see the debt and the deficit oh my gosh it's reckless spending it's irresponsible get in there and fight for more money i mean really are those ideas are at odds as long as i'm benefiting i'm good with that not you 
states elsewhere. The problem, again, is that they're all doing that. This was porkorama, and it's not so much the value of the pork. Again, it's $16 billion in this $1.7 trillion bill. That, that's 1%. It's not a substantial amount. Here's the deal, though. Without that $16 billion, the bill doesn't get passed. It's the $16 billion of quid pro quo backscratching. I'll give you this if you'll give me that. That's what is used in, in uh, making up the sausage <laughs> and, uh, and ultimately passing the bill. It's the pork aspect of it that gets the bill over the finish line. Rather than sticking to principle, which is what I wish the Senate Republicans would have done and said, we can't go along with this one here, Democrats in the Senate. This is ridiculous. It's $1.7 trillion. We're going to run a $1.2 trillion deficit for fiscal year 2023. We just got through spending $6 trillion on COVID. It was about $20 trillion was the debt before COVID, before the pandemic, short three years ago. Now it's $31 trillion. Started under Trump with the Families First Coronavirus Act. It, it sounds so noble, doesn't it? Nine, that was $900 billion. Then came the CARES Act. That was $2.2 trillion. And then the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act passed under Biden, $1.2 trillion, $500 billion for the CHIPS Act, and now this $1.7 trillion omnibus boondoggle. It's crazy when you think about it, Rhino, that, and this is why sometimes I will confuse <laughs> the billions, the trillions, the millions. Because in the government, in the federal government, it, you're typically talking about, when you're talking about big aggregate bills, it's billions and trillions. Almost all are trillions now. The CHIPS Act, oh, just a measly $500 billion. And we thought that the American uh, Reinvestment and Recovery Act, remember that so-called stimulus bill, the first thing out of the gates for newly elected Barack Obama. It was a it was a paltry petty cash eight hundred and eighty seven billion. Now we have this one point seven trillion. I know I'm throwing around a lot of numbers here, and it'll make your head spin. But this is what affects your wallet. To look at that bill and say, "Oh no, that's not going to be inflationary," is to not understand basic economics. Six hundred million to the city, and it's not that the city doesn't need six hundred million. How we got there is a completely different discussion. I don't know what the figure is the city needs to correct these water issues, which we're living with again today. Well, when this all first went down after the flooding and then the water crisis that made national and international news. It seems like every time someone was asked, how much money is it going to take to fix the problem, the number just constantly went up. Exactly. The last figure I heard was $250 million. I think even the mayor said that. So I don't know why we got $600 million. But who, who's counting? That's what's crazy. Like, well, it doesn't matter if we don't have it. 
Make it eight hundred million. Make it a billion. It's a little bit in the tinfoil hat territory, but the it's it's a little odd when you look at the other major water crisis that has struck an American city in Flint, Michigan. They recently had a settlement that was just north of six hundred million. Oh. So yeah, huh. put, put on the thin tinfoil hat, and it's like, okay, maybe that's where they got $600 million from. So that could be more than a, just a coincidence in terms of the figures that match up there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can, yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I haven't seen, I haven't been able to find any direct connection between the two numbers, but the fact that those two numbers are within, I believe, a quarter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a little closer than it should be for coincidence. So, again, it's not that plus all the other uh, earmarked pork pet projects that amount to the $16 billion. It's not that. It's that that's the enabler. That's what facilitates the passage. I'm not getting on board unless you give me $600 million for the city of Jackson. That's how it works. No surprise. Our audience knows that. So it's not the value of those projects that we should be bent out of shape about. It's that it's the inclusion of all that, including the $45 billion going to Ukraine. It's the inclusion of all that and the insertion of all that stuff in these in this bills like that. That's what gets them over the finish line. Yeah, if, you, if you'll name a building after me, I'm on board. Lest we forget Manchin and his pipeline. Well, that's it. Exactly. He got on board uh, with the Inflation Reduction Act, the most fraudulently named bill in the history of the country. Exactly. Fully expecting he'd get his pipeline. And now he's all mad about it because they they double-crossed him. He ain't getting his pipeline. But until... We introduced a little economic and fiscal sanity into the process. I don't see it changing. In the meantime, the Fed's over there saying, we got to keep raising interest rates to achieve our target 2% inflation. And economists now, no surprise, are saying, and what the expectations we talked about the Fed is, well, when we keep raising interest rates, that uh, puts a damper on uh, investment by businesses and spending by consumers and businesses, thus they start laying people off, increasing unemployment, thus they have less money to spend to boost inflation. That's the theory. And when they get these unemployment reports, and it looks like that's not really causing people to lose their jobs, they say, we got to raise rates more. So now economists that have a clue are saying, look, to realistically hit the Fed's 2% 2% inflation target rate, and they're being a bit of, uh, acting like a bit of a petulant child, I think, with that target. To achieve that, we need unemployment at 6% for two years. That's what economists are saying. Some whom I respect. Stephen Moore, for example. We need 6% unemployment for two years to drive inflation down to that 2% target as held by the uh, the Fed. 6%, two years. Where are we sitting at now? Like 4.5%, I think, 4.6%, the last report. So you're talking about increasing unemployment 
by roughly a third of where it currently sits to get to that target. We'll come right back with some ideas for you, some some financial moves you might want to consider before the end of the year as the Almond Brothers bump us out of this segment here on Middays. We're in the Element Well Studios. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Now, now, onto the real part. Dynamite on Super Talk Mississippi. David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust bumping us into this segment here on Middays. <laughs> All right, so some tips you might want to think about for the year in. Uh, it's approaching rapidly. Stay away from the funny money. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. Maximize your flexible spending accounts, FSAs as they call them. Because you can do that now, contribute to those at the maximum level. I'm not sure what the limit is, and looked up that lately. But if you do that now, you essentially, just before the end of the year, it still accounts for in your tax returns. What is it? Uh, in 2022, it is 2850 and it will increase in 2023 to where you can contribute as much as $3,050. Okay. So you can do that now and reduce your tax bite by doing so. You can also maximize your your HSA. It's known as a health savings account. And then, of course, your retirement. If your retirement contributions are uh, pre-tax, such as in a traditional 401k, you can, if you haven't maximized that, you can go ahead and do that now. In the remaining pay periods, uh, not many left, of course. Check to make sure you have not over-contributed to your HSA. That could cause a penalty situation. So just check that out, and my recommendation is to, if you're employed, get with your employers and your HR folks. Just make sure. Yeah, and double-check and see if they allow for uh, FSA rollover. Yeah, because I believe. Well, let me find it. It's some here somewhere. Yeah, if your employer offers the FSA rollover, you can add five hundred and seventy dollars of your twenty twenty two funds to your twenty twenty three contribution. There you go. So, in charitable contributions, if you're able to itemize and take advantage of that, you can make those right here at the end of the year. I personally typically do that. Some of the organizations to which I donate, I wait till the end of the year, and they know that, uh, so as to conserve those funds for other purposes, invest and so forth, and then I'll wait till the end of the year. You get the benefit as if you made it at the beginning of the year. Really, there's no distinction as long as you do it by checks 
postmarked by 1231 or dated 1231, you're good to go. And it's, uh, it's, it's a good idea to, to wait in cases when you can. So that's one of the things I'm going to be taking care of after show today. I volunteer to help raise the unemployment rate. This on the ceasefire text line. How much will I get per month? Depends on where you live. Some states, there's been a flurry of reports showing just how much a person can earn by not working. It is crazy. It re- truly is. Between uh, And one of the things that we've talked about on the show here, you don't hear a lot about, is this significant increase in the health care insurance subsidies in the Obamacare exchanges. That's being figured into this. Remember, that was passed in the American Rescue Plan on a temporary basis and just extended for another three years in the Inflation Reduction Act. That's Joe Biden's idea of reducing inflation is giving you more money to go buy health insurance. Literally, that is how they're they're couching it. They promote it. It's almost like they don't understand economics or inflation. <laughs> it ain't almost. I think it's in the books. <laughs> it's been proven. So yeah, you can you can get more money from the federal government to buy your health insurance when you're unemployed, as long as you're income, which would include your your unemployment benefits, is greater than 100% of the federal poverty level, you're good to go. You qualify for subsidies in the exchanges. When you look at what health care costs without those subsidies, it's considerable. It's a, a, a big chunk of household expenses, health care insurance. So when you factor all that in, yeah, and the unemployment benefits and the SNAP benefits and the housing benefits, I don't even I can't even think of all the various programs available, but it's significant. The Dow up one twelve. Wow. The US ten year treasury today up nine points. The thirty year up ten basis points, nine basis points, just under both bond. And uh, Bill are both up, uh, let's see, yeah, almost 4%. Wow, is the current yield on those. So that will have a negative impact on credit card rates and mortgage rates, kind of hanging around that 4% mark. Interesting. Supposedly, on the ceasefire tax line, the Fed's only tool to quell inflation is to raise rates, which, which as a consequence also limits job growth and GDP, which in turn then further limits growth which dictates more borrowing, printing, and more inflation. Isn't that negative feedback loop, meaning the Fed is not only helping, it's making the situation work worse? What am I missing here? You're not, that's on the ceasefire text line, you're not missing anything. So the fundamental problem here is to really to address inflation, you need a combination of fiscal policy coming out of the government in in the way of, of policy and regulations and law, and then you need monetary policy. Sometimes you don't need monetary policy, honestly, if you've got good fiscal policy. Because there there are two ways to to cure and to tame inflation, to cool it, and that's to reduce spending, which causes prices to go down generally, reduce demand, or increase supply. 
which can also contribute to the lowering of prices. Well, the increase in supply can only come from fiscal policy. Laws the government passes, regulations, executive orders, etc. Well, we just are on are about to sign into law a $1.7 trillion spending bill. So we're spending more, we're injecting more dollars into the economy printed out of thin air. And that, in fact, bolsters inflation. And on the other side, you got the Fed that's trying to get it under control by raising interest rates so you won't spend as much. And so people will lose their jobs. So they're at odds with each other. It's the dumbest thing you've ever seen, honestly. And remember what Joe Biden says, I'm relying totally on the Fed to address this inflation thing, meaning you're not getting any fiscal policy out of me, dudes and dudettes. (laughs) You're not getting any fiscal policy that might actually promote supply, such as, oh, I don't know, getting your dead gum boot off off the throat, the neck of the fossil fuels industry. How about start there? And have you thought about this? Instead of instead of sending forty five billion to Ukraine to fight Russia, you know the best thing that, that that could happen, which would be easy and we'd all benefit, is to promote the increase of supply of fossil fuels because that would drive the price down. And guess who gets hurt by that? Russia. They can't fund the war without that. He's literally sending money to Ukraine to fight Russia, while keeping his foot on the brakes on the fossil fuels industry, thus maintaining a high price of the cost of oil, which benefits the enemy of Ukraine. That makes no sense. It kind of reminds me, Rhino, back in the, I guess, the 70s, we would subsidize the heck out of tobacco farmers and then spend an unbelievable amount of money telling people not to smoke. How dumb is that? Same deal. We're going to send $45 billion, a total of $100 billion, to Ukraine while, while implementing uh, fiscal policy that, in fact, crushes the fossil fuels industry, certainly does not promote increased supply, which props the price up, which is what Russia uses to fund the war. We might as well just send the money to Russia. We're doing it indirectly with this dumb approach. So what we have, it's a great text. What we have, right, he says raising interest rates is contrary into expanding supply. Correct. But that's because the only tool the Fed has is interest rates. And we got a president who's already said, I'm relying totally on Jay Powell and the Fed to get this inflation thing under control. It's like one's the brake pedal and one's the gas, and they're both getting mashed as hard as possible. That's exactly right. Eventually the engine blows up. Yeah, how about driving with the emergency brake on? That's what happens, doesn't it? Cream, Eric Clapton and Cream bumping us out here. Coming right back on middays. Please stay with us. Days with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
Jackson Studio, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> Apparently, according to Phil Collins, it is an attractive girl that you just can't bring yourself to talk to, even though you have a crush on her. Where did the word come from? I have no idea. <laughs> he probably doesn't either. He's kind of in bad shape, isn't he, health-wise? Yeah, he's uh, he's had it rough the last few years. Incredibly talented, though. I, I think more so than uh, people know of. Uh, drummer, but plays, I think, a number of instruments. Composer. Oh, yeah. Vocalist. If you remember the uh, Disney movie Tarzan. Yeah. He did the entire soundtrack, all the instruments, all the vocals, all the writing. Wow. That's freaky good when you think about it. Left-handed drummer, I believe, if I recall. Hmm. On the ceasefire text line, they're going to buy $600 million worth of bottled water in Jackson. The leaders sure don't seem to be competent enough to actually fix the problem. Chris from Oxford says, I can guarantee you somebody is licking their chops waiting on this money. And so think about it, folks. $600 million printed out of thin air, injected into the city, transferred essentially, essentially to the city of Jackson. They will then in turn contract with uh, various companies to provide services. At least that's what it's earmarked for, what it, how it's intended to be used to address the city's uh, water issues. Now, honestly, you have to be honest about it. It's inflationary. When you print money out of thin air like that and send it on to a municipality who then in turn spends it with companies to come provide these services, it's inflationary. Because the, the money was not produced and not it didn't, was not sourced from taxpayers. There's no revenue to go along with it. And so in, 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 on an indirect basis, this isn't any different than sending out stimulus checks. You're essentially, and, I, and I'm not down on people working to provide the services to deal with the water system. But when you fund it with funny money, essentially, with money that's printed out of thin air, that props up inflation. It just does. Again, I say, why stop at $600 million? Make it a billion. Make it a gazillion. It's not like that the folks in Washington are sitting around with their their pencils <laughs> and their spreadsheets and their calculators and green eye shades figuring out, well, we only got this much to spend. How are we going to spend it? That never even enters the equation. It's not like you run your household finances. It's not like we run businesses. You know, I got X dollars coming in. I'm going to spend it this way. And hopefully, when all is said and done, I got some left over. We call that a profit. No, we don't do that in Washington. It never, ever comes up. Oh, it's going to produce a $1.2 trillion deficit? Nah, don't care. We'll just print more. That's why inflation is 7% change. That's why we got $31 trillion in debt. That's why, as we reported yesterday, our interest tab 
for the first two months of the fiscal year, those being October and November with a September 30th year end from a fiscal year perspective for the federal government. We're at $100 billion of interest. $100 billion. We're averaging $50 billion a month of interest on a run rate to generate a $600 billion interest expense. The military's $850 billion. And by the way, it was $760 or so last year. We're boosting that. Mitch McConnell's taking victory laps on that one. And in fact, he'll tell you that's why he supported the increase in what's called domestic spending, non-defense spending, that's part of this $1.7 trillion discretionary spending package, this omnibus bill. We got what we wanted. We got more money for the military, and Senator Shelby's getting some building named after him in uh, Alabama, and Jackson's getting $600 million for its water, and you can just go down the list. As long as we got that, yeah, I'll sign off on this deal. That literally is how Washington operates. And it should be a concern for all of us. My hat's off to the three members of the House on the Republican side from Mississippi that all were nays on this vote. And we, Rhino, I saw somebody asked again, just in case, we just want to clarify that of our two senators, one, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, was a nay and voted in opposition of this $1.7 trillion bill. And Senator Roger Wicker was a yay. He voted in support of it. He, along with 17 other senators, four of whom, by the way, are retiring. Four are retiring. And and again, I I just point out that that's the kind of scorched earth policy approach you get from folks that know they're on their way out. Let me go ahead and get all the pork I can. Get me a building or two named. I'm out of here. Shelby in Alabama, Inahoff in Oklahoma, Blunt in Missouri, uh, Portman in Ohio, all retiring. They're out of here. That just doesn't seem like the way to run the show. That's how it's gotten. I, I don't know how else to explain it, why they would support it, other than they got uh, more than their share of these pet projects. I also saw included in that, I hope I get this right, Rhino, you might want to check me on it. There's something in there, I mean, it's crazy, gender equity fund, and I learned that So you may think that's for somewhere in the United States, right? It's for Pakistan. Because, no secret, they oppress females. They're still, it's like prehistoric. It just seems the way some of these countries operate with respect to their treatment of females. Still. Stuck thousands of years ago. It's primitive, and it's ingrained in their culture. But yet, the UN, and even some in this country, point to this country as violating human rights. But Pakistan, 
is so bad, we're sending money to them so they won't treat women so bad. That's upside down. That is upside down. Totally. 200 million, by the way. 200 million for gender equity and equality programs. You see it, don't you, in Pakistan? Oh, yeah. It's just incredible to Pakistan. Yeah, I'll sign off on that as long as I get me a post office. (laughs) That's exactly how it works. Golly. Speaking of some of this woke stuff that's going on, and I know we've shared countless stories, it feels like. Here's another just stark example of the march to mediocrity in the name of equity. So there's a school principal at a, I believe it's a charter school in New Jersey. Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. And the principal there has been caught withholding announcements of certain awards from the National Merit Scholarship Corporation. And in doing so, these students, until after, like, application day for college, and in doing so, these students, their families, were unable to utilize some of their achievements there in applying. And as part of the early application deadlines, this principal decides to drop these certificates rather unceremoniously on students' desks after that, costing them possible scholarship money and even admissions. And it was in the name of equity because it turns out an outsized number of students who received these awards and scored really high We're not from underrepresented communities, as they would say. So we just can't let them get what they earned in the name of equity. This is garbage. Coming right back here on Midday. Stay with us. You know what that means. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We'll do it live on Super Talk Mississippi. We are back, midday, super talk, Mississippi. So this school, by the way, is uh, actually located in Virginia. I misspoke. It's Fairfax County School Systems. What's up with Virginia and the schools? I mean, that's what propelled Glenn Youngkin into the governor's mansion in, in Virginia, really, was the the outrage from parents 
Virginia, obviously a, a blue state, but uh, the more well, you con- might have the answer. Yeah, it, parents mess with them, and all the bad policies coming from blue politicians. Oh, right, exactly. So even and those that think like them and vote like them. You'd have to say though that given Yunkin's victory in the state that uh, Democrats, registered Democrats, must have voted for the Republican candidate. I don't see how he could win, honestly, without support from the left side of the aisle. So the principal here admitted that the decision to withhold this information from parents and students and do so in a low-key way was intentional. Quote, we want to recognize students for who they are as individuals, not focus on their achievements. Right. Claiming that principal didn't want to, quote, you're going to love this one. This is right up your alley. Hurt the feelings of students who didn't get the award. Feelings. Feelings. Unbelievable. This is just unbelievable. So, folks, what this tells me is that this continued march to mediocrity, this war on achievement and performance determining one's course in life, it's affecting kids. That's what you're teaching kids. So if you're a a student here, you, you can't say it's just human nature. You, you get great satisfaction when you're recognized for your achievements. And in this case, they mean scholarship money, admission to universities. Why even participate? I'm sorry that some students didn't fare as well on the test. That's life. We ain't all the same. It's not the end of the world. My guess is you'll probably still do well. But in this case, this test is designed to find out who excels in these subject matter areas. And when they do, they get rewarded. This equity crap, this is why I get so mad about it, the the concept, the discussion of it, because that's the idea. The idea is not really to help those that maybe didn't score as well and, and receive any rewards. That's not what their idea is. Their idea is, is to cut down, stamp out the people who did. I've used a crazy analogy before. It's like cutting off Tiger Woods' hands so I could compete with him in golf. That's equity. That's their idea of equity. Let's cut off Michael Jordan's leg so we can take him on in a little one-on-one. That's their idea of equity. All because they want to live in a fantasy land that statistics will never seem to back up. True. So to... I've actually seen some leftist economists say, well, you know, the good thing about the uh, the decline in the stock market since the Fed's been raising rates is it's gone a long way towards um, reducing 
the income gap, the wealth gap. So once again, the goal is to push down and reduce the net worth of those who are most successful financially in society. That's the way we get the people who haven't. We get them more even. We level the playing field by killing success, by punishing success. That is so upside down. Honestly, it's not only anti-American, it's incumbency, Rhino. See, we've already got all this wealth, all this just great country, all these great assets. Let's just take from them. Nobody will miss it. It's just stupid. It's, it's maddening. It's frightening, honestly, because there are many in our government that feel like this is the noble way to do it. It was Chuck Schumer the other day. I, I, he made some statement, uh, just exactly what I'm talking about here. Well, the those rich people that got all those stock holdings, those investments, they've been cut down to size. That's actually a good part about the stock market plummeting the way it has. That's the way he sees it. That's an idiot there that thinks that way. Just is. We're coming back with the final hour of middays after the news here. Stay with us. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. In the Element Well Studios, the 10-year Treasury sitting at 3.85%, up 9 basis points today, and that is pressuring stocks. It will also put a hurting on your credit card rates, your mortgage rates, your auto rates, etc. They are all generally tied to the uh, the 10-year uh, note. So we'll see. Uh, where all that goes, but it's you know it's just so volatile, as Rhino says. It's the <clears throat> kangaroo hopping all over the place. There's really no clarity whatsoever. All I know is that we got a government that doesn't seem to be interested in enacting any policy that would promote supply, such as making the Trump tax cuts permanent or cutting the red tape from the regulatory monstrosity, telling the fossil fuels industry, have at it, we're going to get off your back. That's the first thing they ought to do, honestly. But there's no interest in that whatsoever. And stripping all this climate change and equity narrative out of the... Uh, from being the central theme in policy making, it does seem like it is the central theme. It is the heart. And early on, when Joe Biden was elected, he made it clear through a directive 
that all agencies will consider climate change and equity in all of their policy-making activity. That's, he made that clear day one, and certainly they have been busy doing that, and we're paying the price for it. There's a price to be paid for that. I just uh, ordered a new keyboard for my home computer. There's a particular kind of keyboard that I, that I like. And uh, the one I have is acting up a little bit. And so I just checked on the status with the, the maker, the supplier of that keyboard, and while we were off the air there, can't get components. Same old story, right? Struggling to get certain components to make the keyboard itself. Said, if you want to cancel, we understand, and they don't have a date. Can't, can't provide a, a shipping date at this point. Because a lot of the components that we use in manufacturing in America are made in China, and scuttlebutt is coming out of China that in the last month alone, they've had 250 million COVID cases. Yeah. They are relaxing some of the restrictions, but I don't think it's helping. And, and, and why are they have so the question is, why are they having such a surge? It's because they locked everybody down. And they never really spread it to achieve any sort of so-called herd immunity. So many of these people, it's the first time they've been infected. I submit that a lot of us that have been infected have probably been exposed to it since then, but didn't have a reinfection because we had some degree of immunity. Now, it's not everybody. Everybody's body's different, responds differently. But they didn't. You know, they insisted on locking the whole dang place down, this zero-COVID policy. And now they're relaxing that somewhat because it was taking its toll on their economy. And in doing so, the thing's spreading like crazy. Yeah, that's a that's an incredible number. What would you say? 250 million. 250 million in the last month alone. So that's a hundred million less than a hundred million less than the total population of this country. That's incredible to think about. That many people. They don't have the health care resources to deal with that. And I've seen, you've probably seen some of the video of it. It's it's heartbreaking. People are sick, can't do anything about it. Dumb. But yet they're selling to their population that the approach taken here, which was, I think, more restrictive in retrospect than it should and could have been. Well, China has proven in the last two-plus years that they're really good at control. They're not very good at actual governance. Right. That's exactly right. And they rely on keeping their population in the dark. To control them. You, they only see, or they at least attempt to only allow them to see information they want them to see. You don't need to see what happens over there in America. You don't need to see the crowds at the World Cup where there's right. 30,000, 40,000 crammed into a stadium without wearing masks. Right. And no outbreak, right, after that. I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. It's really incredible, and and they still are able to get away with it. By the way, Chuck Schumer, I was talking about him, and 
how he he's been blasting, of course, corporations. They make too much money, and we got to cut them down to size, and and just tax the ever loving breath out of them, and somewhat celebratory that so many in our society that have significant investment holdings have seen the value of those holdings plummet rather dramatically over the past year. He's seeing that as a silver lining. It's a good good thing. Because it reduces the so-called wealth gap. With respect to stock buybacks, you remember we discussed this when the Inflation Reduction Act was passed. There is a provision in it that will tax companies uh, of a certain size. I believe it's a 1% tax, excise tax on stock buybacks. And all a stock buyback is is when a public company uses cash on its balance sheet to buy its own stock. And in in doing so, it props up the value of the stock, just less in the float, less available for the public to buy, and that drives the price up. It's, It's a financial strategy that's been used for decades by public companies. Schumer says, quote, I hate stock buybacks. I think they are one of the most self-serving things that corporate America does. As long as people like him hold the opinion that the purpose of corporations is not to deliver goods and services that the market consumes, and in exchange for that, they produce a profit, no, that's not what he thinks their purpose is. Their purpose is just to give money away and to operate without a profit and just dole all that out to the community, combination of their workers and others without producing a profit. It's not to maximize profits, just like this Fairfax school. Their, her idea, this principle was, no, we got to level the playing field. Nobody here gets any rewards, all equal. All just indiscernible blobs sitting on a shelf that they'll mold into whatever they want. I mean, that really is the leftist idea. But and it doesn't stop there. I I couldn't find the uh, the letter that was sent to parents, so I can't give you the school where it was. But I did read a letter that was sent home to parents of I believe middle school age, like fourth to eighth grade students. Yeah, where every student was being assigned a final grade based on the average of the class. I saw that. Now, where did where was that happening? I couldn't find I where I saved too. it to, to double-check, but I remember it was every student was receiving the average grade, and the average grade was 83%. I, I caught that same report. I'm uh, sorry that I didn't save that so that we could share the details of it, but I saw the exact same. You, so you see, once again, where it's going, and that idea... I guarantee is going to gain traction. Going to gain traction in this country. Everybody's the same. That's their idea of equity. And it doesn't apply just to grades in a classroom. That's the way they want all society to function. That's China, essentially. It's North Korea. That's the way it functions. Exactly like that. 
corporations don't exist to just produce anything but goods and services to serve society, to provide value to society. And in exchange for that value, people part with their money. They make those decisions. Government doesn't figure out, is not responsible, is not authorized to, is not commissioned to tell these companies how to operate. That just whew, grinds my gears. Middays is stepping aside for a break. We're in the Element Well Studios today, coming right back. with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. Some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice. Because I speak of the pompous of love. The great Steve Miller. People talk about me, baby. Middays back with you in the Element Well Studios. Just saw that uh, on the Business Channel here that Southwest announces more cancellations. Not out of the woods yet. Yeah, I saw reporting where they may be having to do a complete reset and shutdown of their systems. Similar to what I believe it was Spirit Airlines had to do yeah. back in, wasn't August of this year. I think it was August of last year. Sounds but, right. Yeah. Not good if you were trying to get home via Southwest. Nope. Mm-mm-mm. I can only pray for the citizens who elected the circular firing squad in Washington. It goes far beyond bless their hearts, says J.D. in Eudora. Is the water out at the Capitol? Session is about to begin. Portalets strewn again on the Capitol grounds. It's a disgrace, particularly for visitors and dignitaries coming to Jackson to do the state's business. I don't know. I haven't been down there, haven't seen. Take your word for it. I'm assuming that you've actually seen that. Also, this uh, on the ceasefire text line from this individual, can't drink, can't cook, can't flush. Is there any wonder the frustrations and crime rate escalates in Jackson? A cascading failure of epic proportions, yet the state won't step in and place the city into receivership. These residents desperately need help. Heck, I don't know what the state could do if they stepped in here. I mean, then I think you'd get pushback from other residents within the state outside of the city of Jackson who essentially are taking on the responsibility for the city. I don't think that's the solution. And lest we forget, the residents of Jackson voted a 1% tax increase that was supposed to go to fixing the water infrastructure in 2014. That's right. Voted overwhelmingly for it, like 8 or 9 out of 10. And I believe in the state of Mississippi have to get authorization from the legislature to do so, right? Which is one of the reasons last year when they tried to do the same thing and get another 1% increase, the legislature shot them down. Yep. Said, you just did this less than a decade ago, and you didn't do anything with it. Yeah. 
Well, and then you, I haven't looked at the revenue figures for the city of Jackson, but seems like there's you got a steady exit of businesses who sell stuff within the city limits to produce those sales taxes. There's boarded up, empty, abandoned structures all over the place that once housed restaurants, retailers, etc., that sell goods and services that produce sales taxes. On the ceasefire tax line, mailman Clayton says, can the incoming Republican majority rescind any of this new budget? The short answer is no. Mailman Clayton, sorry I, uh, about that as well. And so just to, to back up a little bit, the the idea being and the strategy being pushed by uh, Republicans, particularly on the House side now I'm talking about, on the House side, including what uh, who appears to be the next Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, doing most of this speaking, we're encouraging Senate Republicans don't go along with this boondoggle $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. Instead, pass a continuing resolution to simply fund the government until the Republican House is seated next week so that they can, as, uh, as they should, deliberate spending to keep the government going for the rest of the year in accordance with regular orders, something we've talked about here on the program, uh, to negotiate 12 separate spending bills instead of one big giant catch-all omnibus bill. Bottom line is the Republicans in the Senate ignored that request. 18 peeled off, joined the Democrats, passed the omnibus bill. Of course, it goes to the presently Democrat-controlled House of Representatives, it passes. Seems like it was 225 to 10 or something like that in favor of the bill. And uh, so it's passed. It's now headed to the president. We shared this yesterday. The thing is so gigantic that it will take staffers a week at least to enroll it. has to be enrolled on parchment in accordance with our procedures, and so they did see fit to pass a temporary, another temporary spending bill, a continuing resolution, just to keep the government open while while the drafters are busy putting pencil to paper. Maybe it's a stylus, I don't exactly know, to enroll. It's 4,155 pages, which is insanity unto itself. So and unfortunately, just to clarify, this 1.7 trillion takes care of the funding of the government, the discretionary portion of government, through the end of fiscal year 2023. So the next time the Republican-controlled House will have a shot at funding the government is for fiscal year 2024. Let's hope. They start that process, oh, I don't know, in about uh, June, when they should, and have all that good to go, so that there's not this hurry-up, rush-up, got to get on an airplane and get home, sign here. That's what Schumer and even McConnell were clamoring 
Reminds me of something my dad would always tell me. Lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. Correct. Wise words there. Embezzlement is defined as theft or misappropriation of funds placed in one's trust or belonging to one's employer on the ceasefire text line. Just asking, but why do we never hear this term when it comes to the U.S. Congress? Well, technically speaking, because there's there's no no proof of uh, misappropriation. That's a that's a a very tall, high bar to achieve because one, they're the appropriator. Yeah, one person's misappropriation is another person's wise investment. That's there's just no consensus on that. The one thing that does just bug the crap out of me is there's no discussion through all of this uh, from the Senate side about producing a $1.2 trillion deficit, about the crippling inflation that's top of everybody's concern in this country. No uh, no discussion about, you know, we really aren't taking in enough money to pay for all this. None of that ever comes up. I just I can't comprehend it. I can't comprehend it. I invite you again, think about how you run your household. Those of you in business, think about how you run your business. You have to do it within the constraints of the money you got coming in. It's just simple as that. But that is not the way Washington operates. That never, ever enters into the discussion. And now well, we, in fairness, there's very little discussion to be had, especially on the House side. That's I mean, true. Nancy Pelosi's been Speaker of the House since 2019, and there have been exactly zero floor amendments allowed. That's exactly right. Not a one. (laughs) All of the bills under her leadership have been perfect. They don't need amendments. They just get rammed through. At least in her eyes, in the eyes of Democrats and Democrat voters. It's just disgusting. It's not just for post office or a building. A whole lot of that money they send overseas... They get X amount back onto the table to go into their pocket on the ceasefire tax line. There's just no proof of that. I'm not saying you're wrong about that, but that'd be money laundering. That's no proof of that. I mean, if somebody can actually prove that that money ended up in some individual's account after it went overseas, I think there is fairly strong evidence of that on Hunter Biden's laptop, honestly. I mean, that was influence peddling. 10% 10% for the big guy. Yeah, and that's all, of course, ridiculously illegal. <laughs> Ridiculous in that you don't even have to think about it. I mean, that's so over the top in violation of law. If that was my kid and it cost him scholarships, this is David on the ceasefire tax line from the 228 referring to the story we shared about the school in Fairfax County, Virginia where the principal and teachers essentially colluded to withhold rewards received uh, awards received by uh, those students who took the national merit tests who were in line for financial possible financial scholarships to schools or admissions to schools and they just conveniently waited till after the early admission or application date before they let them know oh by the way you did pretty well here in the name of equity says if it was my kid and it cost some scholarships, I would be in jail just because I would take some equity out of his ASS. Well, 
I certainly hope these parents see fit to take legal action because I think they have a strong case here. I don't think this is happening just in Fairfax County. I really do think this is taking hold across this country in these woke schools. Coming back on middays, half an hour left. Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk Mississippi. Studios, that would be tequila. We need to play the Ventures version of that. You familiar with them? The oh, Ventures? Yeah. yeah. We need to play that. Their version. They could play some guitars now, the Ventures. It was about five in the group or something like that. It was mostly guitarist and a drummer, as I recall. The uh, tequila, good tune by them. Hmm. On the ceasefire text line. Oh, by the way, says everybody in my family can play an instrument except me. He wants to know if I can tickle the ivories. No, I cannot. Talking about buying a new keyboard. Oh, no, my bad. I see. <laughs> no, keyboard for the PC. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty fast on a PC keyboard. Done a little work in my career on that. But no, I cannot read music, nor can I play the piano. Cannot. Can play the drums all totally by ear. Did take some drum lessons, and there is actually drum music, but it's not quite the same as standard music. There actually is drum music. Yeah, yeah. there's there's similarities, but it's yeah, it's not the same. Not the same. It is on a staff and it does follow the same rhythmic method, but yeah, it's That's right. You're not reading notes on the staff. I believe they're all on the same in the same rectangle there. I don't even know what you call it on the music chart. Staff. Okay. That's the what lines on the page are yeah. called staff. Okay. I, the, no, the notes are placed on the staff. Right. They're all on the same level in drum music, by the way. Which is how it keeps up with the rhythm with the rest of the music. Hmm. Got you. Well, I remember learning a little bit about that in Catholic grade school. The nuns had one of those really nifty little devices that had um, like uh, chalk for chalkboard, like five little pieces of wire you'd insert chalk into. Oh, yeah. And you could make the staff, right? And then they'd put the notes up there. It's amazing how good. I always wondered, do they send all the nuns to, like, writing school? <laughs> all wrote the same, and it was all, gee, that, that cursive writing looks like the stuff that used to be hanging in the classroom. They could write just like that, freehand. I, really, did they send them to nun writing school? <laughs> They're pretty good at that. Uh, okay, Joe from Sumrall says, "Yeah, okay, got you. Yeah, not no, not for my, not for a piano, Joe. It's just a keyboard for my computer at home. Looking for a new one. I like the old style IBM PS2 keyboards. I got used to that patented tactile feel and." 
there are a couple of companies that still do make those and offer those. Oh, yeah. I mean, places. mechanical keyboards with the actual mechanical button instead of Spring a... Spring-loaded deal. Yeah. yeah. Those are all the rage for computer gaming because oh. of the tactile feel. I didn't know that. Well, IBM actually did patent that, as I recall, back in the 70s on the Selectric typewriter. The, the pre-computers had typewriters... And uh, that keyboard had that springy, tactile feel on it. It's called the IBM Selectric Typewriter. And they sold a gazillion of them. Well, they uh, they carried that same feel into the manufacture of the original IBM PC keyboard and continued that. And I just got so accustomed to that. And it was the same on their mini computers and mainframes, too, on the terminals that connected. Those. They just got so used to that, I just don't feel comfortable with the more modern, I guess, mushy keyboards, flatter keys. Yeah. They're kind of run together. Uh, the IBM Selectric-style tactile-field keyboard is my preference. But they're on back order right now. Can't get them because there are supply constraints. Mike in Gulfport says, as long as the mayor doesn't want the state to help, let them drink bottled water and find an outhouse. This is a result of keeping on voting for incompetence and hoping lightning would strike some sense into the elected. There have to be people of color in Jackson who are smart enough to figure out how to fix the mess that it is our capital city. The situation has to be embarrassing for them. And while I agree to some extent, Mike, I, I guess I'm just suggesting that I don't think there is any appetite on the part of our legislators to really come too much to the financial aid of the city. I think there are some that would support such legislation, but I think in general they would be outnumbered by those who oppose it. I think there's concerns of that. I think they're hearing that from their constituents that live outside of the city that say, don't you go in there and vote for any financial support for the city of Jackson. I think you're kind of hearing the same thing. Yeah. So I think that's where we are. Darren in Jackson says, so the 17-year-old who works the drive through window should make the same as the engineer who designs a suborbital capsule that will take astronauts to Mars. Well, this is just a fundamental question, Darren, is it the only fair arbiter of value is the market. It's the market. And so when Chuck Schumer goes out and attacks corporations and they're what he he has deemed as greed because they want to produce a profit and they and they pay people who work for them what the market dictates that's how it works what i've always wondered is where is joe and his cadre of democrat leftists who hate capitalism why don't you hear them busting the chops of how about Lionel messi kicking a soccer ball Made a billion dollars doing that. I'm perfectly cool with that. The market says, yeah, I'm willing to part with my money for him to play soccer. Great. Fantastic. Congratulations. But pretty sure he makes a good bit more than the average person watching, than the people who make the games possible. Maintain the field, the concessionaires, go down the list. A whole bunch of people are involved behind the scenes to produce these these giant 
sporting events, and of course, artistic productions as well, but yet it's the stars, the talent, the people are paid to see. I'm sorry, they won't pay you see they won't pay you a premium to see you dole out popcorn and beer. Which there has been an argument about speaking of stars in Hollywood. Okay. There's been an ongoing argument since before Christmas about a new term called Nepo babies. Okay. Where it, it seems like it just dawned on some people that a lot of the stars you see coming out of Hollywood got their foot in the door because mom or pop or uncle or granddad already had a large chunk of influence in Hollywood. Of course. Like it's something new. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, by the way, you know, things ain't too rosy in Hollywood. The folks are losing their jobs in Hollywood that, by the way, voted for Joe Biden in droves because inflation is taking its toll on the entertainment industry. Imagine that. So just to put this in perspective and to be perfectly clear, Joe Biden's policies are causing them to lose their jobs. You think they get that? I sure hope so, because it's the truth. It's just the absolute truth. And the Fed is celebrating. Yeah, people are getting, (laughs) they're they're, uh, being sent to the lines of the unemployed. Yeah, that's what we want. You don't have any money to spend anymore, except with the way the stupid government benefits, the largesse of government works when you're unemployed. You can make just as much. That's not, I'm not really convinced that the Fed's interest rate hiking action is going to have the impact that they desire. Incredible. Gee, let's talk hospital. I'm having a procedure at Memorial Hospital in, uh, would that be in Gulfport, I'm assuming? It's a 228 number. Went to pre-op, and I've had an out-of-pocket of of $10,000. Person in the next booth is having a procedure with no out-of-pocket, because she was offered a federal assistance plan from the hospital. Why can't I apply a federal assistance plan? Not familiar with that. that. Because what you seem to be describing there, I'd like to know more about it, honestly. I'm not doubting you. Is uh, some sort of case-by-case special payment, special financial assistance for this procedure. Now... I'm not familiar with that. Let me know what you know about that. Certainly familiar with subsidies for uh, health insurance obtained in the exchanges, of course, Medicaid, etc. But I'm not exactly sure what this means, if, if some sort of financial aid specifically for a procedure. Well, according to Benefits.gov, there yeah. are 107 Jesus. different federal assistance programs available in the Magnolia State alone. Now, that does include Medicaid and CHIPS and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. but there's 107. That's nuts that we even have that. Coming back with a final segment here on Midday. Stay with us. The innocence You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi.
We are back in the Element Well Studios. Final segment on middays. We're here tomorrow and Thursday, and then the best of on Friday. Back in the studio next Monday and kicking off a brand new legislative session a week from today. Next Tuesday. Looking forward to that. On the ceasefire text line from Terry in Bogachita, what's your opinion of Roger Wicker? Is for me and many in my area. He will never get my vote again. The omnibus bill was terrible. If he wants to vote with the Dems, he should run as one. Well, you know, I, as far as my opinion is concerned, I try to focus on, on policy. And I hope you've seen that in listening to the show. Uh, I, I disagree with this vote. I don't think this was uh, a good vote, a vote well cast for the senator. I disagreed with his support of the the CHIPS Act and his support for the infrastructure bill. He voted against the most fraudulently named legislation in our history, the Inflation Reduction Act. He voted against the American Rescue Plan. So just wanted to clarify the record. So the three bills that he did support, one of a handful of Republicans, I believe 19, if I'm not mistaken, on the infrastructure bill, 17 on the CHIPS Act, and 18 on the omnibus bill. Uh, disagree with those votes. Don't think those were uh, honestly consistent with the views of constituents here in the state of Mississippi and most Republicans uh, in the country. So I'll just leave it at that. I think those were um, not uh, really uh, good, positive votes uh, to move the country forward. I remain concerned about reckless spending. I think this just continues it. Uh, Americans have made it very clear that inflation and the cost of everything going up is their paramount concern. Someone asked earlier where I saw, I'm looking for it here, Rhino, where do you think the stock market is going? And, of course, anything I say here is completely speculative and a big old guess. But my personal opinion is that I believe we're in for some rough times in the next six months. I think we're going to see lots of earnings reports come out here in the next few weeks showing a decline, and but more importantly, negative guidance, and that will influence investors. We're going to see more interest rate hikes, hopefully at a slower pace and a slower rate. I think all of that is going to weigh negatively on the markets, but I do believe that we're going to see inflation moderate, tick down a bit. I think investors are going to like that, and so I'm looking for a decent rebound and a bit of a bull bounce and a sustained bull market to kick in in the fourth quarter of 23. That's just my opinion. Uh, based on consuming all sorts of information and other reports, don't want to get into that. Uh, you should consult a professional advisor if it's something that uh, you're looking into. We recommend, of course, our friends at Element Wealth. They uh, handle uh, some of my investments and very pleased with the results that we have received there, I've received there, and, and pretty much don't bother. You know, I've, I've provided uh, goals and objectives early on, 
And uh, when I open an account with them, and then they take it from there. And of course, you guys have heard Jeremy Nelson come on the program. He's he uh, I think does excellent work along those lines. So that that's where I see it going. But it's the market. They're buyers. They're sellers. That's what makes it work. And anything is possible. And of course, there are geopolitical events that could affect as well. Who knows what's going to happen with Russia and Ukraine? Anything could could uh, evolve, surface on any day that could send markets in one direction or another. Apple, I happen to have been accumulating Apple for a long time, and it is down today, and it is being plagued with a couple of things. One is still have concerns about supply chain problems and manufacture of iPhones and shortages there. It's being reported, but something we touched on at the top of the program which is that they're being facing a class action lawsuit alleging racial bias in the Apple Watch's blood uh, oximeter. Oximeter? Is that how you say it, Rhino? Oximeter. Oximeter. I said it right the first time. Okay, that's the way it's spelled. Uh, now, somebody earlier on the program gave us kind of a technical explanation that, of that and said this is horse hockey. I don't know who the person is that texted us that, but based on their explanation, certainly looked legitimate to me that it came from somebody that is more familiar with this than I am. But the lawsuit alleges that during the pandemic, researchers, quote, confirmed the clinical significance of racial bias of pulse, pulse oximetry using patients' records as compared to the watch and its measurement of it. So it didn't consider skin tone is what they're saying. Unfreaking believable. Just is. So that's weighing on the stock today as well as supply chain challenges. We're out of time here today, but we're back in the Element Well Studios tomorrow. Until then, thanks for joining us. Stay safe and God bless everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.